Okay. So today is Sunday, June 6th. We are reading from the big book. Pages, Roman numeral XXV up to and including Roman numeral XXVII of the doctor's opinion. And Lisa will be our reader. Um, Lisa, as initial is B, she's from South Carolina, and I'm very excited to hear what she has to share with us today. And we followed, oh, I'm sorry. I really almost got up. Okay, and our reader of the text will be John M, and following that will be Lisa B from South Carolina, who will share on that for 20 minutes. I, I think it's me reading. Um... Yeah. I'm doing the, the, the reading at the end. Correct. Okay, okay, so go ahead. Okay. Sharon W. gratefully recovered for today in uh, Southern California. The doctor's opinion. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcohol, alcoholic and drug addiction gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter, to whom it may concern. I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group. They may mark a new epoch, 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 epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. They may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, MD. The physician who at our request gave us this letter has been kind enough to enlarge upon his views in another statement which follows. In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality or we were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent with some of us, but we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. The doctor's theory that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us. As layman, our opinion as to its soundness may of course mean little, but as ex-problem drinkers, we can say that his explanation makes good sense. It explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. 
Though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who is very jittery or befogged. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he has then a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. The doctor writes. Thank you for letting me be of service. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much. And sorry about that name mix up. Okay. Um, I'm now going to introduce our speaker. Um, our speaker is Lisa B from South Carolina. And I'm really excited to hear what she has to say concerning these pages. So Lisa. Oh, good morning. Thank you so much. Um, my name is Lisa. I'm, an, I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm recovered. And I um, wanted to share with everyone just a little bit of background. Um, I achieved abstinence with God's grace and good sponsorship and a strong understanding of what this chapter is telling me um, in January of 2016. I'm nervous right now, 2016. And I got recovered in March of 2016. And I've been recovered since. Um, so you know, I hear there's so much hope and optimism and promise in this reading. And, um, you know, I never really had anyone break this chapter down for me before. I remember when I first came to this OA meeting that I um, introduced myself as a newcomer, I received a lot of outreach calls and people suggested I have someone go over the doctor's opinion with me. And I kept thinking, what, why are they, why are they saying that? You know, what is it about this reading? So I did grab hold of someone that was a recovered compulsive overeater and she started to read it with me. And, and I just want to share with you some of the insights that she shared with me and the light came on. It was, I was starting to really understand things. So the first paragraph is written by Bill Wilson and he's basically letting us know that the guy that's going to be talking is a doctor. He has credibility and we want to pay attention to it. <laughs> so um, it was Dr. Silkworth, who he affectionately called Silky. He was a neurologist. And it's estimated that Silky treated over 40,000 alcoholics and drug addicts. Um, he was the director of the drug addict ward and the alcoholic ward of Towns Hospital. And um, it's saying here, Dr. Silkworth is telling us that he attended a patient that although he had been a competent businessman, um, he was still an alcoholic of the type that he came to regard as hopeless. Well, right there, that's something that's really important for me to pay attention to, because I had this idea, this picture, this image of what a compulsive overeater was, or what they would look like, or what they've done. And, you know, I realized that that kept me sick for so long. Um, I didn't outwardly look like a compulsive overeater. I didn't have a lot of weight. Um, I still was high functioning in so many other areas of my life. And just like here, Bill wasn't living under a bridge. Um, he was a successful business person. So that's the first thing that jumped out for me. And the other thing is that there were type and hopeless. And my the big book guide that took me through, she helped me understand that this book is all about types of alcoholics. And for me, types of compulsive overeaters. And this book, the, the set of directions here, they are meant for someone that is hopeless, that is of the hopeless type. And right there, I needed to stop and ask myself, you know, am I hopeless? And, I, and we kept reading. And then it's telling me that he acquired certain ideas 
concerning a possible means of recovery. So these set of ideas that he received were set of spiritual principles through his friend, Ebby Thatcher, who was really a hopeless alcoholic. In fact, according to Bill, so many in so many ways worse than Bill, but yet he was sober for three months. And Ebby explained to Bill that um, through that he realized he was powerless because he could never safely predict what was gonna to happen to him when he ingested alcohol and he could never stay stopped. And that was my experience with compulsive overeating with ingredients and foods and behaviors. I could never safely predict what I would do once I ingested these things, or when I would achieve times of abstinence, I could never stay abstinent. I could never stay abstinent. So therefore, I was powerless. And this is what Ebby helped Bill understand. So these are the possible means of recovery, these six steps that were at the time in the Oxford group, which were later to become our 12 steps. Um, so as part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present these conceptions to others. So once Bill had this experience, and that's the thing, what happens to me with the steps is it's not about gaining knowledge. You know, it's about having an experience. And once I've had this experience, it's telling me that I must impress upon others this experience. This is how I'm going to keep it. So the first uh, must is right here. And um, that I must work with others, you know, I must share. And this is part of my rehabilitation by being here with all of you this morning. Um, it's also telling me that it's a rapidly growing fellowship. It's working. Then Dr. Silkworth goes on to tell us that this man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. Well, there's that controversial word, recovered. You know, and we, we see that word recovered in our uh, title page, recovered. That that's what this book is about. It's about explaining or sharing or sharing this recipe, this formula, how I can get recovered. So I just want to share with you that recovered is not cured. Recovered is that I'm free of the symptoms of compulsive overeating and all of the problems. I have neutrality with food, um, but I am not cured. It Cured would imply that the disease is gone. The disease will never be gone, but I, I can be recovered. Then Dr. Silkworth goes on to say that um, he knows scores of cases who are the type with whom other methods had failed. Well, again, here's that type, you know, and it's not about my sponsor getting me to get that I am this type. It's about me having the honesty and the, the desire to understand about these types and to identify for myself. For me, I am in fact that type. And he's saying that other methods had failed. Well, for me, so many methods, practicing spirituality, using uh, prayer and meditation, countless diets, exercise, cleanses, um, personal improvement, you know, reading self-help books. I, I really feel like in so many ways I could be a nutritionist because I would just study constantly all about nutrition and food plans. Um, I've tried everything, you know, so other methods that always failed. I would achieve blocks of time, but I could never stay happily and comfortably abstinent. And then he goes on to say that these facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinarily possibilities of rapid growth. Again, it's working. And it's saying that this may mark a new epoch, 
a new time period. You know, he wrote this letter not only for us, the readers, but for his peers that were working with him in the hospital. You know, his fellow doctors were not interested in seeing these other alcoholics walk up and down the hall sharing, you know, uh, with other alcoholics, their solution. Um, but he's saying to the other doctors, look, there is something here that's happening. There is a remedy for thousands of such situations. And we may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. And I'll never forget, you know, when my sponsor pointed that line out to me and she helped me see that, you know, when I'm in the disease, all I do is lie. You know, I lie to myself. But when we're recovered, you know, I am trustworthy. I am honest. Then the next writing is about Bill um, sharing. He's enlarging, you know, about what's going to be coming up in the next letter, but he's also sharing his experience and thoughts. And he's saying in this statement, he confirms, Dr. Silkwith confirms that what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, well, there's another must, you know, that my body and my mind are abnormal to that of an average temperate eater or even a hard eater, that my body and mind, they're different. And that, that is just so key for me. And then I love this. It says it did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life. I knew that there was something wrong with me in so many ways. I knew that I was off balance in so many ways, but yet, you know, it didn't quite explain or satisfy why, why can't I have any control over having just this one cookie or the five cookies or a cheat day? You know, it just, it didn't satisfy us to be told that we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, which definitely described me. And then he says, these are true to some extent, uh, but for many of us, it's definitely true. And he says that we're sure that our bodies were sickened. Um, and he goes on to say that in our belief, any picture of the alcoholic, which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. You know, for so many years, I would say for a good 15 to 18 years, I just kind of kicked around the rooms, never getting recovered because I would minimize the importance of entire abstinence. You know, I would just think, oh, it's just food for goodness sake, or this is a healthy item or, um, you know. I should be able to have this in moderation or it's the 10th ingredient or whatever, you know, and I would never, ever get the clarity of mind. So Bill is going on to say that um, he goes on to say in the last reading there that, that it is imperative, which is a vital importance that our brain be cleared before we're approached, because then I have a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. You know, I'm an intelligent person. I really am. And I've read this and studied it so many times, but it wasn't until I really got entirely abstinent that it all started to make sense to me. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of run out of steam, but that that's what jumped out for me. So with that, I pass. Thank you.